Good evening, Anchorage, Alaska, the lower 48 and the rest of the world. This is Bruce Lindquist with his podcast, Wonderful Counselor. The title of this mini-series is The Preacher's Kid That Fought Like the Devil. If you haven't been listening, episode one starts with a prayer, and then just follow it from there. We're up now to episode eight, titled The Dragon's Fire Returns. I'm going to start this episode with a question. Have you ever felt the weight of the world on your shoulders? That's exactly the feeling our central character feels. Big Bo just turned 10. He's a young black boy who's growing up in the deep south in the 50s. At his tender age, he feels like he has lived two lifetimes and failed at his mission. During his first lifetime, it started at age two, and he lived to protect his brother Rick, who had just been born at that time. And then at age four, he lived to protect his newest brother, Josh. In the end of his first lifetime, he was successful. They all survived. But he wasn't able to stop his drunken dad from initially beating on him for years and then killing his mom. But he did stop his dad, finally, by putting a shotgun shell through his head. He promised at the birth of his brothers no harm would ever fall to them. And now, even though the entire family prayed at the bedside of his five-year-old brother, Josh, the doctor came in and pulled the sheet over Josh's face and declared he was dead. Big Bo was haunted with failure, filled with false guilt. If only he would have watched his brother more closely, he would still be alive. Big Bo was also so angry at himself and whoever ran over his brother twice with the truck and a God who let it happen as he struggled between having a faith like a child and unbelief. The old devil wasn't helping much. He was whispering in his ear, you know what needs to be done. Big Bo didn't remember his grandpa and mom and dad and other brother reaching out to him. He didn't know how he got out of the hospital or found himself on the road as his life was blurred with grief. Mr. Wade Hendershot didn't leave town to fool around with the women outside the city as his wife Lily thought. No, he enjoyed sleeping with married women at church as a deacon. He had special access to grieving women, especially widows, and he took advantage of their pain for his pleasure. He especially got a perverted sense of pleasure if his wife knew them or his daughter did. To say Wade was in a good mood was an understatement. After all, he satisfied his lust with several different women, and his lust for hatred had also recently been sedated. Wade then couldn't believe his eyes when he saw Big Bo walking on the other side of the road. This was his opportunity to cause more pain and misery, and this would be especially sweet. Hey boy, said Wade out of his truck window. But Big Boy didn't but Big Bo didn't hear him, which ticked Wade off. Hey boy, he raised his voice, and Big Bo kept on walking. By now Wade was determined to get his attention. So he screamed, too bad about your brother. I heard he looked like roadkill on the road. As I told you, if he came near my little girl, he'd wish he'd never been born. And I kept my word, so stay away from her. Big Bo stopped and walked over to Wade's truck window. He then dead-eyed Wade with burning red eyes, giving him a look that could kill. No, not just kill, but unleash dragon's fire with a flame 
leaving Wade as a cannibal's delicacy served up for dinner like black and charred flesh and bones. Bo spoke a ghostly whisper with the words that crawled into Wade's bones. Mister, if I heard you correctly, you kept your promise and killed my brother by running over him twice, and now he's dead. Wade laughed. Would have run him over a third time and squashed his head like a marshmallow if not for that damn dog. Wade continued to warn him. It's all your fault. You and your brother, he's in hell. That's where your kind belongs. Big Bo looked at Wade and said in a calm yet haunting voice, more fitting for an executioner than a little boy, I'm coming for you, Wade. You will not know when or how. You may be asleep. You might be relieving yourself in bathroom at church. Or you might find yourself alone fishing. But the time I'm done with you, you will wish you were roadkill and will beg me to kill you. Wade couldn't believe what he was hearing. This barely ten-year-old boy wasn't peeing his pants in fear. No, there was something about him that even made Wade feel uneasy. And dare he admit it? He was scared. The scene changed like Big Bo was in a trance. There was Wade's truck parked next to the hardware store with no sign of a driver. Big Bo found himself unscrewing all the tire caps, slid under the truck, made a small hole in the gas line, and placed it facing up so it would not leak on the road as much to get his attention. He took Wade's tire compressor out of his truck and threw it in the trash. He then walked out of town into the woods, between town and where Wade lived, and he waited. Big Bo just stared at the road like a hunter for his prey. He didn't know how long he'd been there, but here comes Wade's truck, coming down the road, tires losing pressure rapidly, and gasoline trailing from the line. Wade didn't realize he was a dead man driving corpse that didn't have the knowledge to just lay in the grave and die. He couldn't believe he had four flat tires and a gas leak. After a profanity-laced tirade, he got out of his truck. Wade believed in being prepared, so the old truck was ready for any repairs. What he couldn't find was its mini air compressor. Dang, where'd I put it, he said. Now I'm going to have to replace all those tires and, un and he unloaded them from his truck. Big Bo watched him work. It was only fitting for him to labor himself to death. Wade jacked up one of the tires and crawled under the vehicle to inspect what caused the leak and then backed out, got a new gas line out of the truck and went back under to repair it. Big Bo was silent as a vengeful ghost and then untightened the hydraulic jack valve knob letting the pressure of the vehicle pin Wade underneath his truck, crushing his leg. Wade screamed in pain. Big Bo had caught his prey and walked over to the other side of the vehicle so Wade could hear him more clearly. With a voice more like a mafia hitman, Big Bo said, Seems you're having a bit of trouble there, Wade. Wade couldn't believe what he was hearing and continued to curse. Something to the effect of, once I get out from under this vehicle, I'll kill you slowly, boy. Big Bo countered. Let me make sure I understood you correctly, Wade. Did you or did you not say you ran over my brother twice and you were going to a third time, but the dog stopped you? Is that right, Wade? Wade was quiet. Then he said, listen, boy, nothing personal. But he broke the rule, and when you break the rule, the rule breaks you. 
Big Bo walked around the side of the truck. He saw a piece of clothing that had ripped off his brother's body when he was drugged down the road. Wade, do you remember what I said to you? You see, Wade, I believe a man is as good as his word. And just as you promised, you went through with your word and killed my brother, Josh. So now I'm going to do the honorable thing and keep my word. Big Bone noticed a protein torch in the back of the truck and a gas can. He picked up the can, sloshed it a bit, and then poured gas on Wade's pant leg. Wade said, look, boy, he touched my daughter, and I made sure he wouldn't touch her again. Well, I had almost drowned both of them to get his filth off him. It was his fault and yours for threatening me. Big Bo lit the propane torch and lit Wade's pants on fire. They caught dragon's fire. Big Bo said in a dead calm voice, I hear you beat up women and girls. Use your man parts to please other men's wives. Well, Wade, those days are going to be over. About now. As the fire reached the crotch of his pants, Big Bo knew many women in town would love roasting marshmallows if they could, given how mean and unfaithful to all of them he was. Wade started screaming as the fire now seeped into his skin. Big Bo called out to Wade, Are you ready to beg for your life? Wade said between screams he would never beg a colored boy for anything. Big Bo just stared and listened to his screams. Half of Wade's body was burning up, and Big Bo had a moment of compassion. As you go to hell and burn for eternity, he said, you will no longer be tortured here on earth. The demons can do a far better job than I can. And with that, the seeping gas combusted and the truck exploded, forever showering Wade with burning flames and knocking Big Bo off his feet, and all went black. Big Bo was staring in eyes of hate, but his hate could match any demons from hell. Both were locked on their gaze. Perhaps this was hell. Him and Wade were staring at each other for eternity. Yet neither was in hell. Wade felt a tug at his arm. Daddy, said Sarah. Wade stared at his daughter. He was shaking. He could still feel his flesh burning, but he was not on fire. Big Bo felt a tug on his arm and a voice seemingly that had come back from the dead. It was a small shadow of a boy. Wade picked up his daughter, no bruises or marks on her wrist, where he just about drowned her in the tub a few nights ago. He held her and said, I'm sorry, but I'm going to make this right. Big Bo hugged the shadow, and as he did, it was like Josh breathing tube and all the machinery holding him together with wires and tubes fell to the floor and disappeared. Josh was alive, not a scratch on him. Big Bo held him tighter and cried out all the dragon tears until the fire went out. Wade left the store and returned home. It would seem Wade got the hell scared out of him because he went into his house. His wife is expecting brutality and found a man so broken by his sin that his religion couldn't even cleanse him. He confessed to her and promised to be faithful and not to ever lay another hand on her or his daughter ever again. And he was done drinking. He poured all the booze down the drain. Wade knew what he needed to do. God had given him a vision of what would happen if he embraced Dragon's Fire, and he was not going to waste the miracle. He and me have been a deacon, 
but it wasn't until he understood how black his heart was with sin that he called out to Jesus as Savior and Lord for the first time. Wade knew from the Bible what repentance meant, and that Sunday morning Lillian, Wade, and Sarah went to their church. He walked up to the front and announced in front of the altar and publicly confessed, not mentioning any names of the women, but that he was an adulterer, a wife and child abuser. And he also renounced his part in the KKK, as well as being a deacon of the church. He put his robe and KKK hood and cloak on the altar and walked out with his family. To say this caused a stir in the church was an understatement. Gossip went through like wildfire. Who did he sleep with? Some of the women felt justice was served. Others were praying no one would know. They were willingly lustful, unrepentant participants, looking for more. But regardless of his sins, those that had been forgiven by the men, but not his renouncing the KKK, which many of the church members were a part of. That was their version of the impartable sin. There would be a price to be paid for betrayal, for no one left the clan. In the meantime, Big Bo walked to Josh's home. Walked Josh home, and they worked all day to build a cross in front in the front yard. Big Bo joined his family. He shared with them the vision God had given him, and what he too repented for embracing the dragon's fire of hatred. And he also told them how he killed his dad with a shotgun. I don't want to be Cain anymore, said Big Bo. It would have cost me the life of my brother, and God gave me a second chance to continue to protect him. His family just held him, and Big Bo continued to weep. He was a ten-year-old boy who on this day walked to the cross in the middle of the yard and surrendered his hatred and all his sin to Jesus. He forgave God for every scar his dad had put on his body and embrace the healing scars of the crucified and risen Christ. Big Bo's life changed from justified killer and torturer to redeemed child of God and forgiven. Sunday's church service came, and all throughout the town, 300 people attended. The sun was shining, and the elder pastor grandpa was about to preach. But then the Holy Spirit told him no. Josh felt led, but it wasn't his turn either. Big Bo got up and made his way to the makeshift altar and looked over the crowd. Holy Spirit had him preach in Galatians 3.28, There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave or free, male or female. You are all one in Christ. And then in 1 Corinthians 5.16-21, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, Christ, God, was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting us with the message of reconciliation. Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that we may become the righteousness of God. When he finished the last part of the verse, there in the distance Big Bo couldn't believe his eyes. 
Coming over the hill were three figures, a man and a woman and a little girl. Big Bro recognized them immediately. He said with a loud voice, We are all in Christ. And the crowd turned around, and the Holy Spirit fell, and all went to their knees. Now normally I don't spend a lot of time commenting on what I believe Holy Spirit has led me to write. I struggle with the ending of this podcast. Does Joe's live or die? And if he does live, what kind of life would he have? Because during that time, so many black people were killed and terrorized by the KKK, who hid in their sheets of self-righteousness, causing so many nightmares. I did not want to dishonor their memory by ending this episode to somehow take away from the horror they went through and sanitize history. Yet out of the dragon's fire, God's plan of redemption goes forward, despite the evil in this world. These last two episodes ask the question, what happens if we were given a vision of the destructiveness of our sin to its eternal consequences? Lloyd and Big Bo were given a gift, and they responded by repentance and surrendering their lives to Christ. In America, hatred of dragon's fire takes on many forms. If you embrace hate, it will consume others and you. Unfortunately, people still put on robes. Not Not that there aren't a few white supremacists running around, but the robes of the KKK can be of any color or ideology. When you believe you are right, so right you can harm another human being because they're somehow less than you, whether in the womb or out of the womb, then your heart gets filled with dragon's fire, and that fire burns in generations. I write this episode hoping that justified hate will stop. I pray it will, but the only thing that can stop the dragon's fire is turning from it, crying tears of repentance to God that created you, and surrendering your life to Christ as Savior and Lord. Anything short of that, and you're just fuel for the dragon's fire, which burns in hell for all eternity. The next episode is episode 9. I have no idea the title, but it's time to rise from the ashes and rebuild. That will not be an easy task for this community. But with God, all things are possible.